we have the joy of welcoming the one and only James Topless. Well, you're the one and only James Topless in my life. I'm sure there are James Toplesses out there in the world, but... Uh, Not <laughs> many. <laughs> um, but it's great to have you here. James um, leads a church that we are good friends with up in York. Um, it's a an old pub that you guys have renovated and doing a fantastic job out there. We love hearing some of the stories that come through. But sadly, uh, well, I guess we might hear some of those as we're chatting about uh, goodness today. So uh, what is great about James is that uh, in any conversation I've had with him, uh, you squeeze him and gold comes out. So this is what we're <laughs> hoping for today and trusting will happen. No pressure at all, James, whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, as we uh, have been looking at the the aspects of the fruit of the spirit, we get this one that's goodness. And uh, I, I think um, people can sometimes just have a hard job of defining what that looks like, because maybe we've just got a bit mixed up with well, the, the English language is just different to the Greek language, isn't it? And mm. so it reflects different things. So as, as we look at goodness, what what does it mean, James? That's a good thing. I, it's interesting because when you asked me to do this, I'm good. I was thinking there's a book on my shelf that I've not really read, but I bought. Um, and it's a secular book about um, taking organizations forward. And it's called from like, it's called Good to Great. Mm. And I think that that kind of encapsulates what is the a kind of worldly way. And it's not a wrong way to talk. If I hand in an assignment at university or I do a piece of work and it's good and we say, oh, yeah, that's really good, but you could make it better by doing X, Y and Z and then it would be great. Mm. That in our kind of culture, it communicates something that's important. Mm. And I think even in discipleship and leadership, we would say the same kind of thing. That mm. was good. But if you if you tweet these things, it'd be really great. But what we're obviously saying there is something about your ability, your ministry, your gift, your work. Um, but the Bible uses good in a different way, mm. um, something that's far more intrinsically wholesome. So particularly in the New Testament, in, in that Galatians 5, where it's talking about the, yeah. the fruit of the Spirit, goodness there is this, it's not just something that's, all oh, that was good. <laughs> it's... it's it's the absolute moral excellence. It's a bit like having a tuning fork for a, um, if you're tuning a piano, use a tuning fork to get the pure note for a particular, I don't know, I don't, I'm not a musician, says G, then you need the G fork. Mm -hmm. And goodness is like that in terms of the, the purity of the inner life. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like tuning fork that says, no, that's excellent through and through. Yeah. And you see that in creation. So when, when I like to think of this in these two ways, when God says, Oh, he, create, he created light and light be, and he looked at the lightness and he saw that it was good, it didn't think, Now, if I'd done it a bit better, it had been great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that. Yeah. Um, and he looks at it and it says, That for it, what it is, light, that's excellence. And when you bring in the New Testament word for goodness, it means the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we say God is good, we're saying God is in himself utterly and completely excellent morally. There's nothing divided in him. 
And so his greatness and his goodness are not kind of, well, on some days he does a good job, on other days he's done a bit better. Yeah. Or it's not talking about a, an experience with God that, oh, it was good, but this experience was great. They're two facets of his character. That actually his greatness relies on his goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His greatness is linked to that bedrock of his utter, unchanging, moral excellence. There's, yeah. no, there's no shadows in him. Mm. There's nothing divided in him. Yeah. And so, yeah, when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, we are really talking about the character of Jesus in so many ways, aren't we? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. So when, it, when we're applying it to ourselves, we're saying that that which is morally good is going to be part of the fruit of the life of the spirit-filled believer, which mm. is amazing. That's an amazing thing. So, yeah, that, that we could embody the very character of God is just incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think as well that one of the other things that um, as I've been talking with people, I work in student ministry and stuff, that that when you talk about God being good, um, they they kind of experience it or think about it as um, God is good because he gives me good things. You're like, yes, but that's not really what we're that's not really what we're chasing after here. That's not it's the whole um, uh, you have in Job, don't you, where you've got. Uh, uh, the question is: Do we do we love Job? Uh, does Job love God because God gives him good things, or does he love God because he is God? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. you've got this aspect flowing through, and it's it's not that God doesn't give us good things, or or in any respect there, but it, it's just trying to focus on this moral integrity and this moral excellence, um, which is what this is really hammering down. I, I looked actually at the Greek, um, and uh, I didn't realize that this word is totally new. It's coined. It's like fresh from Paul's imagination, from his creativity or whatever. And it's only ever used in the four letters um, that he's writing in. And then uh, uh, and then in subsequent early church fathers, as they use goodness, no idea whatsoever. So it's good that we bring some clarity to it because it's hard to get clarity from other kind of secular texts as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because you. I like that about the bestower of gifts, because the Bible describes God in that way. He is a he, he's a blesses us. He gives to us. Yeah, Jehovah. Jehovah. Exactly. We have to expect when we pray that He will answer. But I do think there's a depth of worship for the believer that we must tap into. Where that is, we know that's what God will do, but that's not why we're here. Mm-hmm. Like you say. And the fruit of the spirit is not about getting, it's about revealing, really. Mm. If, you, if you think you're, it's, it's on display from you. So it's, in, in essence, God's doing something through you that other people can be blessed by. So, it, so it's, a, it's a funny one to describe as a church leader, isn't it? Because you say, no, you need to believe God for that. <laughs> but I don't want your relationship with God to be defined by. Yeah. And, um, I was having a conversation even today just around the whole issue of the holiness of God mm. and this whole thing about when our worship is just around the kind of um, what what will God say to me today about my breakthrough or my 
issue or, you know, we cheapen what God will do because yeah. we, we don't come to him with this sense of there is a reason for gathering. Even if God didn't say anything about our situation or didn't answer any prayer of our need, there will be reason for the church to gather because of who he is. Yeah. And when you come back to that, it's, um, that's amazing, really. It's, it's truly appreciating the, the worth and value of who God is, isn't it? It's that, yeah. and Paul talks about it, doesn't it? It's like, I consider everything as trash <laughs> uh, compared to the knowledge of knowing the Lord. And, you know, so the whole, um, uh, and it, it, in many respects, it's so hard in our Western environment, isn't it? Where it's all material. It's all um, what we see in front of us. But uh, relating with a God who is spirit is, uh, it, it's quite difficult for us to wrap our heads around and, and truly appreciating what that means. And just building relationship with somebody that you can't physically see, but it's something that you spiritually and supernaturally kind of experience. So, uh, yeah, that's great. So when we, um, I think then is, is looking at how does the world define right and wrong? Because this is really getting to the nub of the matter here. And how does God define <laughs> right and wrong? Um, and I think once, I mean, that's a massive question in and of itself. But once we uh, do that, then we can look at... Um, uh, how that kind of manifests itself in the church and in the world and stuff good question i think essentially god judges everything by his own character and nature so you he if god says this is right then it's right and if he says this is wrong then he's wrong the reason he's good is because he doesn't act in a way that undermines what he says so when you read in the scriptures, um, I have uh, I can't remember the psalm. But it's, it's I've exalted the word above my name is one translation, or I have uh, exalted every the word and my name above everything else is another. But it's the sense in which the name of God, which kind of invokes His character, really not just not just James or Harry, but the yeah. sense of it's who He is in His very nature, that He's committed all of that to the keeping of his word. So because God keeps that, and that's his standard, um, which means that ultimately there is an external um, to, one's, to us as humans, plumb line of what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. Now the world's definition is very different to that. And we could take, we could look at any avenue that we like and say, what is good? Do people think things like, well, if it doesn't seemingly on the surface hurt anybody, then it, it, it's okay. Um, but God, from God's perspective, sin, of course, is that which offends him. So even if it, even if it doesn't have an immediate or an obvious hurt to another human being or another social context or whatever, or a, um, it doesn't cause any problem at work, it's offended him. Yeah. And that, that, in his eyes, is is bad it's sin it's it's, it's broken covenant yeah and um i mean a simple example would be um of hearing of a, a christian who um was challenged this is in when i was a teenager in my dad's church um <clears throat> i may not have even been a teenager it might have been like 11 12 or something yeah, like okay. that. there was this guy in the church and what he used to do is for his mate he would clock in for they had an old clocking in machine 
and he would clock in using their time card for all of them. And he would start at work and the, the others would come a bit later, you see. So they get paid, because it's hourly pay or what, they get paid for the full whack, but they didn't work the full whack. And he got convicted by the Holy Spirit that although, well, this is a big company, it's not gonna, it's only a few hours here and there, it's not a big deal, is how the world will look at it. But God says that's wrong to him. And he changed and it cost him. It was a cost involved because his mates weren't very happy that they weren't going to get the benefit of this wrong action. Um, and I think that's the, that's the standard, isn't it? You, you know, and, and sometimes our, our, the standards that people use are a bit bizarre in the world. It's things like, um, well, we won't talk about this person badly because they're in our friendship group. But that person over there that's a bit more obnoxious and we don't, it's okay to, that's, that's fine about them. It's fine to be abusive to them. Um, and, you know, it, it's, so, so God uses himself as the barometer. But when humans, and the nature of sin is to reject God, of course, as God and see ourselves as God. And we try to do the same thing. The problem is we, we, don't, we don't have the nature without Christ. To live that way that would be morally good to have that tuning fork within of ourselves you see. um and even now in politics you see it don't you, you see the yeah. big party gate and all of that kind of thing and i i mean i'm struggling to be i do normally love the news and politics and i, I just at the moment i'm struggling to be at all interested because it just feels like one after the other it's the same thing but is that that kind of We'll tell you what is the best because we know that's best, but we don't have to do it. We don't have to live that way. We don't have to pay the price for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and that that all comes back to to the first few pages of the Bible, doesn't it? With the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the the snake comes and says, you know, if you you take it, then you you can define good as as what you see is good, and ultimately, you see in all of this is self centeredness and. I will, uh, good Good becomes what I think is good, as opposed to what God thinks is good. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, how Paul chooses to use um, the metaphor of the fruit of the spirit. Um, and, and it is, yeah. And, and you you can imagine that uh, the, the the Galatians are thinking right about the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the, the, the tree of life and all of that kind of stuff. And he's just tapping into all of this stuff here is to, I liked what you were saying that it's it's impossible for us to live the life with the character of God without having Christ, and that's oh, okay. key because it's it's not that um, we can't live this life. That's that's Paul's point, isn't it? It's not impossible for us to live this life. It's very difficult because of the power of the flesh and because we make stupid decisions on <laughs> on a day. Well, maybe not you, but we make stupid decisions on a daily basis, and uh, <clears throat> you know uh, it's. I just love that there's a a there's a hope, isn't there? In this, it's not a legalism. It's not a uh, it's not something to bind people down, but really to lift people up and say this is this is something that you can attain for. This is something that's that's realistic for you. Yes, and that that's innate in the fact that we're talking about. Um, so the other aspect of the fruit of the spirit is that contrast with the works of the flesh. Yeah, absolutely. Or nature. Because he's saying, by nature, this is what comes out. But for you who have been born of God, there's a different nature to come down. 
come out. Now we know there's still that work of sanctification, the renewing of the mind, the kind of making, it's almost like making room for the Holy Spirit to reveal himself through us, in a way. But, But what he's saying is that the work that Jesus did on the cross is so powerful. When you're born again, you're born of the Spirit, new nature, new creation realities has happened. And then the baptism of the Spirit, that bursting forth of his life and his power, Mm. means that you should expect that these things are going to be coming out. And and it's why, like my example of the man who felt convicted of the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit doesn't want to live in a context where he's uncomfortable, he doesn't fit who he is. So we we sometimes mistake the, the feeling of, uncomfortableness as a Christian when the Holy Spirit touches us as if we're being condemned but actually it's not the condemnation of God mm. it's the conviction to live up to who we are to, to change and to allow that fruit of the Spirit to, to come out and uh, and it's interesting because fruit of the Spirit seems to be the thing that some Christians emphasize with the work of the Holy Spirit and gifts seems to be the thing that some other Christians emphasize. But of course, there's not this dichotomy in the scriptures, not this separation. Mm. And actually, the gift of the Spirit operating when there's the fruit of the Spirit means that you get this almost like a almost like room for the power of God to move through you in a way. Um, and a lot of the stuff that's fruit of the spirit, like any fruit, can take time to blossom. Yeah, or come become ripe. Yeah. So often we find that it, it begins in new Christians. There's nothing better. One of my fellow elders here in York, Peter White, uh, would say that when a new Christian starts to give in some way, mm. say we know that there's been a changed life. And I love that because you think, yeah, that that's the very nature of God on display. God loved the world so much that he gave. And there's something in that of the kindness of God, of the love of God, of the goodness of God. So it might be in their money, or it might be in a kind word, or it might be just thinking of others. But it often is like green fruit. It's it's initial fruit, isn't it? And you think there's there's that sign that they're going to bear much fruit. But as leaders, we're then helping them to remain in the vine, draw from Jesus, draw of the Holy Spirit, so that then there's this um, rich fruit, mm. mature fruit come. And uh, and I just, yeah, I, I love that, that the gifts of the Spirit are so often dynamic and immediate and in the moment and, whoa, we love it. But for those who are consistent in that, I've often found that they are working with the Lord on the fruit mm. behind the scenes and that they're allowing the Holy Spirit to do this work within them, which is amazing. And, yeah. uh, Paul puts them together, I think, just wonderfully well. There's a scripture I came across in uh, 2 Thessalonians. I'll just read it now. You're um, talking about in the light of Jesus returning, which is, again, there's this sense of, Jesus isn't coming back for a, a half-grown plant, <laughs> a half-dressed bride, a yeah. half-finished house, you know, uh, a flock that's all over the shop. He's, he's, he's coming back for, 
mature maturity. So in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 9 to 11, 11 is the verse we're going to, but it says, um, verse 10, so when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was, uh, was believed. So he's like, he's coming back for you in, in maturity and being glorified. <laughs> to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Hmm. And there's those things together, isn't it? There's that, that moral integrity and those works of faith hmm. both by his power. And I think, yeah, that's right. That's what the church looks like. Yeah, and you if you don't have them working in tandem, you'd either... I was speaking with Roger a few weeks back and he said um, we were talking about how there seems to be quite a few people that are getting this fresh revelation that we have to live in word and spirit and not just word or just by the spirit. And he said, uh, yeah, that's not new. <laughs> if you read your Bible properly, you'd see it there. But that um, if, you, if you're if you all word and no spirit, you dry up. And if you're all spirit and no yeah. word, you blow up. And if you're word and spirit, then you grow up. Yeah. And it's it's having that stuff together, isn't it? It's the, um, uh, and developing relationship, you know, people, thinking that they can just tap into the power of god and it's not it's all relational isn't it it's all about just spending time with jesus when you look at the life of jesus as well you see don't you that that the amount of time that he spends just going off to be with the father is just incredible given that the man's on his time i think isn't it in mark where um you see that the busier he gets the more time he spends alone yeah. with the father yeah. yeah and mark is very interesting i think you're right i think you might be Mark is very interesting because it's a very action-packed kind of gospel, isn't it? It's yeah. boom, 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 boom. It's seemingly, and a lot of miraculous accounts. Um, and you're, you're right. I, somebody once talked about the, um, mentioning the, the gown of the high priest that had, a, is it a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell? And yeah. I don't know if it's uh, how theologically accurate it is to say, he's just talking about that in his presence, that there's a fruit next to a, that which sounds out, oh. that the bells don't then clash against each other. Because oh, of the fruit there. And I thought, well, I don't know if it's, I've never really done the full study on it, on that particular thing. I don't know, but I like, I like <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. I can find it elsewhere in the Bible that, that actually, yeah, you, you sometimes get that, don't you? Gifts and gifts and gifts. And sometimes it's great. Um, but just concentration on fruit and not expecting there to be a sounding out and a, a breaking forth. Almost kind of, it doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. But, but I look, you know, when Paul puts those things together, it's this, we're praying that God would keep you faithful to his call by producing these fruits and works of faith, but both by his power. And coming back to what we said about you can't be good without Christ, because Jesus even said, both Luke 18 and Mark 10, he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Mm. And he's talking about that very thing we've addressed of who, who is the, like ultimately, who's the one who can, say i am 
who I say I am, and therefore you should do what I think is right. There's only God that can do that. And Jesus was saying, why do you say, oh, it's only God that is good. <laughs> obviously, he's connecting the fact that he is then God. Yeah. In a kind of teachy kind of way. <laughs> but, but also, there's that sense of, okay, well, so when we say he's a good man, often we use it in that phrase of, oh, he's done some good stuff, or, you know, I like what he's done. And there's nothing wrong with that, because that is how we communicate in yeah. English. But actually, when we say he's a good man spiritually, we are recognising that God has been revealed. Mm. That man or that woman, if we say he's a good woman. Very good. And I remember the first time ever really realising that, when a man of God said to another man of God, pointing at me in my hearing, that's a good man. And I realized he wasn't just saying, I like it, I like some of the things he's done. He was saying, I see something of Jesus being revealed in him. And I thought that's well, that's quite an honor. <laughs> very powerful. And it's and it we come back to, well, if it's only God that can be good, outside of Christ, we're not good. The power of the gospel is so amazing. And then when Paul brings it back and saying, well, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in you, you realize, ah, so it's not me trying. Yes, I desire this resolve to do good, to be good, but it's not my effort that makes me that or produces this fruit, but it's my working with the life of the Spirit, the life of the Spirit yielding to him. That's going to bring out this goodness. Yeah, That's going to reveal this. That's... It, it's a, yeah it's it's a much deeper work isn't it because it's it's working on your very character it's working on your very being so it's not this constant i mean we've we've alluded to it time again but i've got to do this to be good it's no you are good yeah. and then you do this it's the it's the other way around isn't it that's the that's the work yeah. of the holy spirit in us mercifully <laughs> i i'm sometimes i mean I've looked in the mirror before, Harry, and thought, I wouldn't have chosen me. I, I just, I, I wouldn't have picked me. Yeah. Um, and the grace of God in that. And actually, there's something I think that the Holy Spirit wants in his, 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 I don't know if I'm off the topic now, but I, That's I okay. do that. The Holy Spirit is restoring to a lot of his people globally. I think God is reminding us of, number one, he's the number one. It mm. is about him. And, and actually because of his great standard, which he's never changed. No. Um, the gospel is so great. Mm. Um, and Israel fell in the Old Testament because they forgot their origin in God. And that's what part of their rebellion and their going off and worshiping idols. And I'm just wondering if part of what God is reminding his people of, again, is the gospel is so powerful. Look how rubbish you were. I mean, it's the great leveler in all the stuff about discrimination and all that kind of stuff. The great leveler is the gospel begins with you all stink <laughs> and you're all awful. But in Christ, you can all become his fragrance. That's, I mean, that light and darkness is amazing. Mm -hmm. And perhaps the fruit of the spirit in so many ways kind of reveals that in the life of the believer. Yeah. Because you think, how can you be so joyful when? How can you love like that when? How can you be so faithful when? Yeah. Um, how can you be 
this good? You know, how can you not want to do what is wrong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's the, the, the fruit being something that you consume, but also it produces seed to sow, doesn't it? And it's a, it's a powerful thing in all of that. Oh, this is this is good stuff, James. I'm in, I'm enjoying squeezing you out and and getting all this goodness. Um, you've you've kind of touched on it just a little bit just then, but but what what difference does it make uh, as as an individual if I'm manifesting in this goodness in a in a profound way? And I guess the the other side of the coin would be um, how what difference does it make when you don't just have one, but when you have a community of people. That are that are living life in the spirit individually and communally. I think that's a. I think that's a very good question, and there's a connection between goodness and salt and light, in the scriptures, really. Mm. So, um, Jesus talks about it's in Luke six about if a. Uh, well, let's go there because I'm not sure I can remember. <laughs> the actual words um he talks about fruitfulness good fruit and bad fruit mm. and if you if you're a bad plant you're not going to produce good fruit if you good fruit you don't produce bad if you're a good plant you don't produce bad um <clears throat> fruit um is it is luke 6 43 for, for no good tree bear, uh, bears bad fruit nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So there is this, there's this kind of great revealing of, um, of who you belong to and I think that's the key so the fruit of the spirit is not possible to be grown by an unspiritual plant no so, so you're you're revealing the if you want to use the phrase you know the, the analogy Jesus uses we are the vine he is no he's the vine with the branches you can't bear fruit unless you're grafted in vitally joined to him so equally this goodness displays just as the other fruit of the spirit does this fruit displays that um you are his you're marked so this moral integrity marks people out in places of employment in families in yeah. are different <laughs> and it shows that you're playing by a on a different Almost by a different set of rules, if you yeah. like, or a guideline. Um, and it's not even comparing, like, a, you know, in the FA Cup, you sometimes find that you get like a top Premier League club is playing an, I don't know, a League Two team, and you think they, they are playing by different standards. And that's because the, um, the standard of play with the Premier League for all that they get paid and everything and they get trained and they've been scouted, it should be higher because of the standard. We're I mean, not even talking about that, I think. We're talking about it's a whole different ballgame yeah. because your goodness isn't defined in the same way. 
Yeah. So when people look at um, you making a moral stand at work as an individual and not backing in, not to be difficult, because that's the other side. Sometimes, sometimes Christians come across and they, I remember when I first, it was in the church here, there was a couple that wouldn't serve me a cup of coffee, but they were on the road to that week. They're not, in, they're not in the church. I wasn't leading at the time. It was going through a difficult time in the church, but I'm now in And uh, they wouldn't serve me a cup of coffee because the coffee was not fair trade coffee. And they thought, I understand what you're saying, that you think that's important and you might be taking a moral stand. But to be honest, all you've done is, is make everybody think you're cantankerous. And we're not talking about we're talking about when a genuine issue of right and wrong is in front of you and you stand up for righteousness um, or you stand up for the vulnerable, which I presume is some of the stuff you mercy was talking about. Yeah. You, you, re, you show that God has a standard that's beyond what's in front of you. Yeah, and it's, it's that that the moral indignation should lead to action as well. So the, the, the couple, the wrong action is not serving you. The right action would have been, this is really important to us. I'll tell you what, we're going to buy all the, the coffee for the church to serve people. Exactly. In. Yeah, exactly. And, and if you, you go, oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. And and that is a, a good example in a, in a, not even in a small way, because what people are doing in trying to elevate uh, the jobs that people are doing across the world is a really important thing that, that the church needs to be a part of and needs to have a voice into, but it, it has a, a a smaller kind of interplay in the context of having oh, yeah. a cup of coffee and on a Sunday morning. Uh, I, I love the um, what the the rise of the early church as well in that they they were just radically different. I remember reading a book by this guy called Rodney Stark called The Rise of Early Christianity or something. Have you ever read it before? No, I haven't read that one. Ah, he's a sociologist. He's brilliant. And he talks about how um, the, the, the church, the early church, were the only people that would look after people that weren't their own. And so yeah. the, whole, the whole change in um, it was quite normal for people to abandon babies. The church goes, that's wrong, and we're going to take responsibility for it. Or a, a plague comes, which is very, very common. A plague comes, all the rich people vacate and everybody just looks after their close family. But the church are the people that go into everybody to try and help them. And uh, they, I think they did some studies where it was like, if you had the plague, whatever that plague was, and you just had somebody giving you water and just generally looking after you, no medicine involved, they had a 40% more chance of living just wow. that kindness kind. and so the, the, rodney stark's point was of course people are going to be giving their lives to jesus <laughs> it's the kindness of these people and and yeah. the point is it's not it's not like this cynical oh i feel like i've got to do this now because you've shown me a kindness it's they've 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 experienced the goodness and the love of this individual which goes man this person is totally different to me they have a a different playing field a different set of rules to how they um understand what is right and what is wrong and and they just see this explosion of people going yes this is the thing that that i need to have in my life yeah yeah and uh, in fact nt writes 
or Tom Wright. Well, it's the same map, but I don't know which one. He, he wrote, <laughs> they wrote a book about the pandemic. And oh, yeah. And touches on that very thing that throughout history, it was the Christians who went and risked their lives. And there's something in that, isn't there? If you're going to preach the gospel and you say, well, yes, but Jesus, yeah. this speaks of what he did. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. But, but Jesus even says, doesn't he, that no greater love is there than this than to lay one's life down for a friend. Yes, exactly. exactly. And yeah, you just see that taking place there. And Paul, so Paul picks up on this whole thing of uh, good fruit and goodness and then light. Um, so in so Ephesians 5, where he's talking about walking in love and walking in these things, he says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Um, so he's talking about walking it as children of light. And so there's, as we walk in this way, in all that is good and is right and is true, we are shining like a light. And then it reminds me of um, Jesus said, you know, you are the light of the world. Uh, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And then in Isaiah, it says, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And there's this sense of God's people. Again, how is the glory? come up? Well, it's the Holy Spirit, really. We know in the new covenant, there's the mm. Holy Spirit. Um, and and then, of course, you, you start to bring in things like the, in Isaiah 2, the mountain of the house of the Lord. So as a community, revealing that goodness. So I do believe in the fact that we should, all of our people and all of our churches should see themselves uh, as representatives of Jesus in their everyday life, wherever they are. Um, in that sense, um, I know some people have talked about the Scattered Servants book, and I've read it, enjoyed it, challenged by it. Um, but I prefer the term sent servants. I think it's a bit more apostolic, a bit more <laughs> deliberate, it feels. But it does describe, we're all over the place, we live in different places, work in different places, and we are sort of like there. But, of course, the scriptures don't just leave us in that kind of sentence. There's this something about the community of God's people yeah. who are living right together. So it's that sense of not just goodness in within and then acting good in, in context of my interaction with the world, but there's this sense of it is good to be in communion with one another. Mm -hmm. And not just good because we you know good and great that kind of analogy and not good just because it gives me something but it's good because it's wholesome yeah and it did make me think of that the whole kind of adam and eve thing where god says it is not good yeah for man to be on his own mm -hmm. but it is good to be together and we know that the the kind of closest covenant is between a man and his wife you know between people is a husband and wife but obviously god's brought us into that wider community and I've just come back from holiday, came back on the thir Thursday, uh, you know, I had a couple of days at home, we was in the church meeting on Sunday, and it was good to be back. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't good to be out just because I'm a church leader, and I think now I know what everybody's been up to, because right? that, that's far, <laughs> not what I mean. And it, I mean, I mean, it's good to be with God. I mean, we broke bread together. We enjoyed Jesus together. You know, we, we prayed together. Somebody prophesied into my life afresh. And you think, this is good. Mm -hmm. And the world doesn't have that. Yeah, yeah. 
and it, it it kind of um i know that uh, i've talked with with people in student ministry and just people in their just testimony and they've almost been off put by the church because they see christians that are no different than the world and uh, it's important that the church is different because otherwise what what are you calling people into and uh it's you know with the uh seeing the the scandals that are happening all over the world with church leaders and the lack of accountability and and all that kind of stuff it, it's just a, a aside from the hurt that is being done to churches and families and all that kind of stuff it diminishes the testimony of jesus um and you yeah the, the you always get this sense as you were saying before that there's a there's a bit of a shaking going on where god is going hey <laughs> you said but you're called to be different i mean it's what um john is writing in his first letter isn't he that the whole kind of theme of it is is about being children of light as opposed to children of darkness and the whole uh, calling israel to be a nation set apart for the lord to look radically different to everybody else so that when people stepped into the boundaries of that land that they would go oh my <laughs> there's something different about this place and it's uh, i think it's just one of the clearest ways in which you can see that there's a a community of people that are just totally different to the world because they're absolutely. playing by a different set of rules yeah absolutely yeah um and i i just love the fact that in all in all of that, um, Paul frames it as we read it in, before in two Thessalonians in the light of the coming of the Lord. No, yeah, it's not framed just in my ministry from good to great. You know, how can I be the biggest and best? But in the sense of there's something fearful about what we're called into, mm. and I think one of the challenges that leaders face and we talked about moral failure and all of that it's, it's a tragedy i thank god that he's a god of restoration that there can be genuine repentance that god is so gracious and good but there's a there's a road you've got to walk yeah. to get back um however in all of it it seems like the fear of the lord is what keeps us in goodness in a way yeah. because i there's a there's a I, I take very seriously this fact of, and when I'm, when I, somebody's on the edge, we've had a the odd person that be on the edge of are they in this church family or not? Mm-hmm. I think after COVID, we've had a few situations where we've had to deal with that. And that's the nitty gritty of being an elder. And in some cases, it's been a case of arm round and they've had a hard time. They just need a lot of love and care and come on, let's go together in the things of God others their hearts gone and we've released them but in that the reason why there's a tension for me is because I want to know and the reason I want to know is because in the scriptures it says I've got to give an account for the people I lead and how I've led them and I and I take that seriously and I sometimes I think the pressure of leadership and the temptations that they're in there are um, acute. Mm-hmm. And the enemy wants to strike a shepherd so that the, the sheep will be scattered. He wants yeah. to. It's interesting because when Jesus describes himself, he doesn't describe himself as the shepherd of Israel. He says, I am the good shepherd. 
Mm, very and good. the word for good there is a slight, it's a variation on the same, but it's, Agathon. It means, yeah, it means utterly within oneself, completely excellent. <laughs> so he's describing the good shepherd that we as shepherds follow. And there's that sense in which leaders are not just called to have flashy, everything right. There's something about I'm leading God's people mm. in the way of Jesus, the good shepherd. Um, and there are a few safeguards we need in that. One is have a very, very good wife. <laughs> um, in fact, there's a, um, there's a book called A Guide to Practical Pastoring, which I would recommend for leaders. It's not, it's not really about this theme of goodness, but uh, it was written by Barney Coombs. Yeah, I've got it on my list of books yeah. to, uh, to read here. Really readable. He was an excellent pastor and apostle of Christ. And he's got um, a chapter in there called The Donut Factor. And it's talking about a ring donut. And he uses that as an analogy for when the inner life of a leader isn't rich. And he talks about safeguarding yourself from moral failure. And one of, you know, and, it, and it's always the same three things. The girl's golden glory, as Brian Chut used to say. It's those three things, really. Yeah. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. They're the, th the three things. Um, and, the, and so we just need to be sensitive. Uh, you know, not one man band ministry. You know, the, the plurality of eldership is really special. And, and the, in that, be friends. Be colleagues, be accountable, you know, to one another. Be the, you know, I always say to me, there are two questions I ask of her. Is this somebody I can trust? First of all, can I trust them with my life? That's mm. the first question. Perhaps I added three once I became a father. But the second would be, can I trust them with my wife? You know, if they were alone, with my, would I think nothing would happen? They'd be all right. And the third thing would be, would they look after my children if I wasn't there? Yeah. Because they're, they're the touchstones for us in leadership of where we're proving our character and goodness and life. Mm -hmm. they're, the mo they're where we're proving our integrity. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting if you ask them, a leader a question if you look at the reaction of his wife if it matches what he's saying you know <laughs> but, it, but it's also that you know you see i hope that in my children people see oh here's here's a man that looks after his family well teaches his family well but so i i would think there's those safeguards to put in place as a leader and actually they're important safeguards for anyone, really. They are for anyone, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, if you're single, it's not Jesus was single, Paul was single, and uh, it's not. Uh, it's still important to have those deep, deep relationships absolutely. to be able to hold you accountable and and be totally vulnerable in those settings as well. They're, they're just good practical principles on making. But that that's what living in community is all about, isn't it? It's not yes. about hanging your dirty laundry on the line for everyone to see, but it's important that some people see it. Um, and, and yeah, it's... Uh, and there's that one another in, there's the practical mm, action fellowship that absolutely. enables goodness. And when you read that, you think, if we all, as the body of Christ, really 
grows up to that one another age, eldership would look a bit different at times because mm. you'd, you'd not be, there'd be some things you wouldn't have to do. It just wouldn't yeah. cross your desk or wouldn't cross you, you know, you wouldn't get a telephone call. Yeah. There's the um, bear one another's burden. Um, there's the, um, if, if your, um, your brother is caught in a fault, you who are spiritual, go and restore him in the spirit of meanness. There's a sense of who are, who are the spiritual. Well, it's not just the leaders, surely. It's the people of God. Go and help him. Um, and, uh, and that, again, coming back to goodness, that's something the world isn't really mm. like at all. So that it's not that there aren't relate there are relationships in the world of course where people are completely brutal, sometimes brutally honest and you think you've overshared I've heard <laughs> conversations you know between parents on the way to school you know on the school run walking you think I don't think I'd be sharing that <laughs> um, but but often but never with the sense of let me share something with you of Jesus that will enable you to overcome mm. to to put you on a new vantage point and that's the life of the spirit isn't it that's the i'm bringing what god is the the measure of christ or the the aspect of christ i'm revealing to you and you to me and together as as we receive of one another christ is being revealed in a fresh way yeah very good how amazing is that yeah and, and so when we actually break bread together we're really saying that's what we're that's what's happening here yeah. and I, I sometimes think we we talk about fellowship as if it involves a rich tea and a week of a coffee and and it isn't that although yeah. it, you know please not a rich tea and certainly not a week cup of coffee <laughs> a nice strong cup of coffee with a good biscuit yes <laughs> let's do it over that but it's oh we've we've met jesus together yeah um there was, I don't know how this quite fits in, but going back to that whole thing of uh, God, God's goodness, God's goodness revealed through us, salt and light. Yeah. And one of the things that a lot of people quote, a verse that people quote, that Romans 8, 28, that about God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And uh, I used to, fall into the trap with that Harry about that meant nice things for me <laughs> and, and it's not that God won't bless us we've already said that haven't we but when we know that God is God is good that it's his character yeah that actually when it says that God not everything is good of course that teaches us that not everything we face is good it doesn't say that God brings things on us that aren't good but what it does say that God is conspiring and working in everything, no matter whether it's good or bad, to bring about good yeah. for yeah. us and in us. But it was it was a, a preacher called Ern Baxter as a message on that very thing that said it, it, when I listened to it, it was kind of a bit of a re revelation that he when he understood that God is good, when the scriptures teach God is good. And he had this revelation when he was going through a hard time. I think his wife was dying and he was praying for her to be healed and if she wasn't if you just get worse and he didn't understand he said but this scripture says you'd work all things together for good and his wife sadly died and we believe in healing but his wife died 
and he, he had to go back to the scriptures and he said what God said go back to the scriptures and he came across the scriptures that talk about God is good and God suddenly revealed to him I'm not working just everything to be a, a nice gift for you I'm working my very self to be revealed through you yeah very good but this is really this is helpful and that piece of revelation helped me when um, in my first year of full-time ministry, uh, a family had conceived and had a baby, and it died at three weeks old. And mm -hmm. talk about like you're punching in the gut. And this this family are amazing to me. They're still in the church. What a great example of faithfulness. Because at no point during caring for them, helping them in all of that, not once did they uh, lose faith. Complain about. They, I mean, they were hurting. Yes. They didn't understand, they asked God to help them, but they got through it by worshipping God. Mm. And at the funeral, God took me to that scripture and he said, I want to speak on that scripture. And I said, this isn't good. This isn't what God wants, a three-week-old baby. That's not him. That's not my God. But he's going to work something through this that he will be revealed. Mm. And... Uh, and he has done, and he is doing. And I think that's really important for us to all to understand that in the end, sometimes we get the, we see the miracle, God's faithfulness, God's goodness. And I want to see that more. Harry, I'm up for that. I'm pursuing <laughs> more of the supernatural. But even if that didn't happen, God, by his power, who still work, does the works of faith to us by his power, is also producing the fruit of goodness by his power. Mm. And in the end, God is working it so that he will be revealed. Mm. So whatever happens, God is exalted and the devil has lost. And mm. that's the, that again is the mark of the gospel. It's the power of God to bring about his character, his nature. And what kind of people respond like that? Mm. I mean, the, the joy that you see, and I know you you said, um, is it David who talks about peace? Yeah. And what, what an example of trusting God, of overcoming, and you meet him, you talk with him, and he's full of goodness. Yeah. And boy, there's no bitterness, there's no sense of anything other than God is good, and he's held me, and he's worked an amazing work. It's it's interesting with David as well because he's uh, he's moving in a greater anointing than I've ever seen him since uh, since his wife passed away. It's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I I just I love that scripture because it's it's so very real for us. Yeah. The way sometimes you you find that the actual way that the scriptures is written, you sometimes gloss over it and you think, oh yeah, God is good. Amen. But when you're going through through it or you need to refer, you, you find that actually the way that the sentence is structured is done in such a way that, like Jesus said, the word can't be broken. It has this unbreakable quality to it. And you think, oh, it's so powerful. But even in the fact that you, the way that you, it's not, the sent, even the words you've chosen here doesn't just, it doesn't just convey a thought, but its very word is saying to me, in the end, God at work in my life by his spirit will produce goodness mm. as long as I, I stay with him. Yeah. 
Wow, James. <laughs> I just wonder as we kind of wrap up here, if you could just pray for the people that are that are listening, that are watching, um, just that they would, uh, I think, just have that fresh revelation um, that, that of what this whole goodness thing is is yeah. for us and how important it is. I think you've really touched on some stuff that will be really important for people here. Lord, I thank you for Harry. Thank you for the church in Southport, their community church. And Lord, anybody else who's listening as well from who's not even connected there. Lord, I thank you for what you're producing in them by your spirit. Mm -hmm. Lord, thank you that we, we look at the fruit of the spirit and we don't look at it as just targets to attain to, although we desire that they be produced. But actually we see it as a promise of, what you will produce as we walk in step with the, with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would have a fresh revelation of your goodness, a fresh revelation of your holiness, a fresh revelation of the power of the gospel that changes from being from darkness to light. And Lord, that in the light of your coming, by your power of your Spirit, would you cause us to produce that fruit of goodness coupled with works of faith and power mm. by your spirit that lord in york here in the church here and the community church in southport lord that we would emerge as a community shown off showing off you by our integrity and our character as well as the works of power and the ministry of the uh, of Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, James. Wonderful talking with you. And if uh, anyone wants to dive into any of the other uh, podcasts that we've got, just uh, search wherever you're looking, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have a question for us, just fire us an email at the email address that you will see wherever it is that you are listening or watching. And we'll see you again next time. Bye.